So glad that uh, you're here with us today, beginning a new series uh, entitled Under Oath, uh, Under Oath Apologetic Series that uh, we'll be walking through and uh, and super excited about it, uh, super excited to be able to walk through some of these uh, uh, non-negotiables of uh, uh, our faith, uh, right? We're called uh, as Christians to be people that uh, uh, live under oath. For those of you who may not uh, know what under oath is or may not have watched enough Law and Order episodes, that's where I got the definition from, Law and Order. Um, those of you who may not know what the, that means, right, it simply means this. Under oath means to uh, make a promise to speak the truth in a court of law. And as believers of Christ, man, we've been placed essentially on the proverbial stand in the world to testify to the truth, right, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. To share the truth, the whole truth and nothing but uh, the truth. Uh, we're called to be folks, man, that defend the faith. As a matter of fact, if you didn't know, right, we see in the scripture that we're called to do that. First, Peter 315 uh, says it like this. Uh, Peter is talking right to the churches. He says, hey, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. And let's not forget this last part. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Man, that gentleness and respect is so uh, important. Can we just be honest this morning? Hey, no one likes a jerk, right? Hey, no one likes whenever, man, you're, you're coming in and you're being rude, uh, you know, and, and being a jerk towards somebody else. Uh, we've got to choose to be folks that defend the faith, speak the truth, right? Give a defense for the hope of the gospel, but with gentleness and respect. Here's the deal. If your countenance, right, whenever you're sharing the faith, it is more combative than it is compassionate, th- then you've got a problem. Hello? You've got a problem. Because here's what happens, and I've, I've come to find this out in my life, right? Early on, I was fired up, and I wanted everybody to know the truth, right? And what happens is a lot of times, man, hey, if I come in combative, those folks are less likely to respond in a nice manner or, you know, in a you know, pleasing manner. But when they're, they, they're more likely to respond with a, a two-piece combo. And I'm not talking about Popeyes, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about? That, that right, left. You, hey, I've, I've been close to that a couple of times. Hey, the call for us is to be folks, man, that give a defense for the hope of the gospel with gentleness and respect. That's the call for all of us. But we're not just called to defend the faith. We're called to contend for the faith. Uh, Jude uh, chapter one, verse three says that. Look what it says. It says this, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. When we think of contend, you know, we think of a lot of times fight, which seems a little oxymoronic. But but what the writer Jude is saying is this. Hey, he's saying contending the faith speaks to what the end of uh, the book says in verses 21 through 23 says this. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to others. Show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Contending for the faith means this. Hey, we're living out what we're perceiving we believe. Contending for the faith is simply saying, hey, we are not folks that just talk about it, but we walk in it. We're called to be people that defend the faith and also contend for 
the faith. Not just simply, you know, uh, drifting back into culture and the world. No, no. Stepping into the world and giving a hope, man, for the gospel, the hope that's within us, giving that out to the folks that are there. In saying all that, before we dive into the text, my hope and prayer, the purpose really of this series in large, right, is for us as people of God to be encouraged to live outward at the end of the day. Hey, not just keep our faith to ourselves, but live outward to know and walk in the truth and be able, man, to defend the faith with grace and love. That's the hope. That's the hope at the end of the day. And so with that being said, Second Timothy chapter three is where we're going to be today. Second Timothy chapter three. The, the topic, the first topic in this under oath series is the Bible, the Bible. What does hey the, the Bible say about the Bible? Uh, the Bible is under attack in uh, the day today, right? Even among some uh, uh, Christian camps. Right. Some folks think some of the stories in the Bible are, you know, allegorical. Some folks think that, man, it's tough to, you know, believe certain elements of the Bible. I'll pick and choose what I want. No, no, no. Hey, the Bible is completely true, man, from the contents in the front to the maps in the back of your Bible. Amen. And the call for us is to know that, to understand that and choose to walk in that. So Second Timothy three, we're going to be in verses 14 through 17. The Bible is a special book, as Brother Sean mentioned, man, written by 40 different authors, man, over uh, thousands of uh, years, right, uh, without any kind of contradiction, uh, has survived the test of time, right? Uh, mankind throughout all of history have tried to stamp it out, but to uh, no avail. Folks have tried to throw it out, uh, man, cast it aside, but yet every single year, pretty crazy, Brother Sam, every single year, right, the New York Times... Uh, you know, bestseller list for books. They have to uh, put a uh, an asterisk by, beside the number one uh, best-selling book because the Bible's by far and away uh, the number one selling book. Right. That's that's the Bible. It's the Bible. And for us, right, as people of God, we've got to understand, right, that uh, the word is just more than some book. Right. The, the Bible, man. Hey, the Bible is able to change us, grow us in him. I remember this old song, man, saying by, by a guy, if I said his name, you'd know it. But man, he, he, the song goes like this, the chorus. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you. Man, that, hey, that's, that's the scripture. More than just some book. It's a precious word. And we see, man, Paul talk about that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 14 through 17. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Amen. Starting in verse 14, uh, Paul, right, is writing to his protege, his uh, mentee in the faith, one that he has discipled. Which, by the way, can I go ahead and throw this in free charge? We all need to have somebody that we're investing in, pouring into, and we all, all had, ought to have somebody that's investing in us. Some of you guys in your season of life, man, it's your kids. Man, hey, continue to pour and invest in them, right? But you need somebody investing in you and pouring into you as well. And Paul, right, had this in uh, Timothy. And he's encouraging him in the last days, right, about the godlessness that's going on. Timothy has a young preacher need to be encouraged, right? And the fundamental way that he encourages Timothy is telling him, hey, hang on to the word. Continue to preach the word. Continue to live it. Look at what verse 14 says. It says this, but as for you, 
Right? I know the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy uh, grew up essentially without a dad. It was his mom and his grandma that invested in his life, taught him the scriptures. They were believers that poured into him. And he came to faith. I'm thankful for the godly mothers here in the house. Thankful. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I've entitled the sermon today simply this, the precious scriptures, the precious scriptures. My hope and prayer this morning is that we would see that this Bible is more than just some book that we open up on a Sunday morning. It's more than just some book that we have on our shelf that we dust off whenever we're in a mess. Hey, we would see this book as valuable, as precious, one that we desire to lean into, man, to dig into and to study because we know that God's going to use it to change our heart and life. Why don't we pray together? Lord, we love you. We thank you again for this morning. Thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you for this book. God, I pray that each of us got in here would see the value and the importance of it, God. Whether we've been saved for two years or been saved for 25, 30 years, Lord, I pray that we'd see the value of needing to dig in to it. Lord, I just can't help but to think of the people all across the world, Lord, Christians that would do anything and to just get a copy of this book in their language. The value of it, Lord, the words that are able, God, to change hearts and lives, Lord. God, I pray that that you do just that, Lord. You'd encourage us to be folks that dig in and see the value of it, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said Amen. Amen. We see here in 2 Timothy 3, right, uh, three reasons why this word is valuable. Paul is saying, hey, in these last days, Timothy, in order for you to be able to stand, I know everybody else, man, is doing their own thing. But in order for you to be able to stand, man, hey, you need to understand, man, the the word. Keep hold of it. Keep hold of it. Continue in it. Right. By the way, that's the response for us in here. Right. I mean, in these last days, man, in order for us to continue to uh, to grow in the Lord, we, we need to keep. Keep on keeping on. Keep the main thing the main thing and stay in uh, the word. He later goes on in chapter four to talk about, hey, you need to preach the word as well. The word is the uh, the centerpiece, right, for him being able to continue forward in his faith. And so he speaks to it as valuable. And we see three reasons why it's valuable here in the scripture. The first reason why it's valuable uh, is because, number one, it's God's word, not man's opinion. It's God's word, not man's opinion. He says it here that, hey, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right. He says that, man, this wasn't just wasn't just compiled. Right. It's not just some book written by a whole bunch of different authors. 
right, for our recreational reading. No, no, this was a book, hey, written out by God. God, you know, used these writers. Revealed, man, the truth to these writers. And they wrote this book. This is God's word, not man's opinion. He first off states that truth by saying this. Hey, this is these are sacred writings that point us to Christ. That's what he says in verse 15, backing up there. Right. He says this. Hey, keep on. Hey, you learned it. And how from your childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He says that these words are sacred writings, right? Hey, holy, coming from the Lord and, and ultimately point us to faith. The scripture themselves don't save us, right? They point us to the Savior. I'm glad, hey, that we've got this word, man, that points us to the need uh, for a Savior. It gives us direction on where we need to go in order to come to faith in Christ Jesus. There have been many times, uh, you know, in my life, I say many times, but several times where, you know, I've been driving somewhere and needing to go to a destination and, you know, I want to pull up my maps, you know, which, by the way, folks in here before the cell phones or before Apple Maps, I don't know how y'all did it. I remember as a kid and having to print out map quest, you know, my mom printed out map quests and stuff. But even before that, I don't know how y'all did it. I guess memorization or whatever. I don't know. But but I remember, you know, trying to get from one place to another. But running, you know, not having enough data on my phone. And so I'm not able to run the maps. And so, man, I'm just trying to figure it out, you know, on my own, if you will, you know, and getting some directions or, you know, finding a place that has Wi-Fi to get directions on my map. But but simply reading those directions, seeing those directions, man, it, that's great and good, but it doesn't do me any good. I've got to choose to respond to the directions by hopping in my car turning left on whatever road, getting on the interstate and going where I need to go. And in the same way, don't don't get it confused whenever you see here, right, where it says, hey, these scriptures make it, you know, made Timothy wise for salvation. Like I said, the scriptures didn't save him, right? He was pointed to the fact that he was in need of a savior and pointed to, man, Jesus being the way for him to come to faith. And so those of you in here who think that, man, you're right with God because you've read enough Bible. Hey, John 5, man, it says that, hey, you search the scriptures for me, but you can't find me there, right? There were some religious leaders that thought that the scriptures were the way for them to come to faith in him. No, no, you only come to faith through Jesus. And the good news is, hey, today can be the day you can. John 14, 6 tells us this. Hey, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Man, I'm thankful for these sacred writings that pointed us right to where we can find saving grace. It's in Jesus, which we'll talk about that you know, a couple weeks from now, right? The exclusivity of Christ, Jesus being the only way. Paul says, man, hey, these scriptures are valid because they're sacred writings that point us to Christ. But secondly... He says that these writings are sacred because they're divinely inspired truth. That's what verse 16 says. Man, all scripture, right, has been breathed out by God. Or in some translations, it says been inspired by God. More than just some words written by man, but rather truth that was written by man, but ultimately inspired by God. 
You say, Pastor Irv, what does inspiration mean? What are you talking about there? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll go ahead and tell you. Right. I love how one commentator he puts it this way, says what we mean by biblical inspiration, right, is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit of God on the Bible's writers, which guarantee that what they wrote was accurate and trustworthy. Right. Revelation, uh, you know, revelation simply means the communicating of truth to man by God. And then inspiration has to do with the recording of this communication in a way that is dependable. Right. That that was the process here and how these, uh, you know, how these books came to be. Man, God used right imperfect man and inspired them right through man. Hey, Holy Spirit and to write out these words. Say, Pastor, how does that happen? How, How does that work? Well, God uses imperfect people all the time, doesn't he? He uses us. He uses us. And so we must trust that by faith, man, hey, that this book is trustworthy because, man, the Spirit of God inspired them to write these words down. Now, you may ask another question. Pastor Irv, man, I got to thinking, man, I did some research one time and I saw that there were other books, man, that were Supposedly supposed to be in the Bible. Man, I saw like a gospel according to Judas one time. You know, I saw a man, you know, something called the Apocrypha that had some other books that are in there. What, what about some of these extra biblical books? Did the writers, man, just remove those? You know, they picked and choose which ones they liked, they didn't like. Well, well, well I'm glad you asked that. No, 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 that, that's not how that uh, worked. Sean McDowell, right, he speaks to this, gives insight to this, to to the process and how this came about. And I know we're jumping into the deep end of the pool, but I'll go ahead and let you know here, right, the process uh, by which this came about, how the books were chosen, right? There were some criteria within that day. There were councils back in, you know, the fourth century. There were a few big councils of folks that came in. There was false doctrine coming into the church at the time, so they had to step in and figure out which was right. And so there were some criteria in which they went through in order, man, to, to decide which books were inspired by God and which ones were just writings later on. It's three things. Number one, right, criteria number one was this. They had to have been written or commissioned by an apostle during the apostolic age, right there within the first century. Right, if a book was written after that, then it wasn't going to be added to, right, the the canon or the the... 66 there had been written or commissioned by an apostle and saw the Lord. Second thing is this. It had to be consistent with what was already known to be revealed by God. If there was some book that was written, the gospel according to something else that that I mean was way off base, which there were some. Right. Some of these books that that were written that you see, you know, uh, the Apocrypha and some other things. Uh, what you see there is the, the gospel that's being talked about there is more of uh, one of uh, Gnosticism or, or one of self than it is, you know, hey, gospel by faith in Christ alone. Right. If the book wasn't consistent with what was already revealed by God, the Old Testament, then it didn't fit. You had to throw it out. And then lastly, it had to be universally used in the church, universally or, or basically all universally uh, used in the church. There were some books that came up later that folks tried to sneak in, sneak in, if you will. And no, those didn't those didn't fit. So it wasn't just a loosey goosey picking and choosing what books to use and what books not 
to use. Man, the Lord was in this. He was in this. And so because of that, hey, we can trust this book. We can trust it. Because he was at work in it. We can trust that it is true. So that's the first truth. Hey, we can see the value of the scripture because it's God's man. It's God's word, right? Not man's opinion. The second truth that we see here in the scripture, right? The reason why the word is valuable is because it's beneficial to growing our faith. Beneficial to growing our faith. Go back to the text here. Make sure you know I'm not making it up. He says, man, all scripture is breathed out and inspired by God. And then he says, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. Right. What Paul was telling Timothy is, hey, continue to stay in this book because, man, it is profitable for you as you continue to walk as a young preacher. It's going to be profitable. You're going to continue to grow in him. It's the only way that you're going to be able to grow and mature in your faith. And what that means for us is this. Again, seeing the Bible in a different light. The Bible is more than just some book that is to be casually read for knowledge's sake. But rather, it's God's word meant to be meditated on for application sake. When we encounter the word of God, hey, he speaks to us. Man, and he calls us, man, to walk out what we have read. More than just some book. It's beneficial to the growing of our faith. It's beneficial in teaching, first and foremost, right? When he says teaching, he's speaking to instruction, to uh, doctrine here, right? The word is beneficial uh, uh, to giving instruction, uh, obviously in the context of Timothy, preaching the word, giving instruction, but also it's beneficial for getting instruction ourselves, which, by the way, can I go ahead and throw this in free of charge? Hey, there's some folks that really love giving instruction more so than getting instruction. You ever been there? Can, hey, can, I fall victim to that myself. I struggle with getting instruction at times. Hey, listen, man. Hey, if you find yourself in a place like that, where you're, hey, you're too far beyond receiving instruction from God's word, or, or receiving instruction from God's word through other people, hey, then you're in a mess, man. You need to get right with God. Headed to a crash. Just figured I'd throw that in free of charge. We all, at the end of the day, need the teaching of the word of God. And it's beneficial, right, for that. When we encounter the word, man, it instructs us on what to do. It instructs us on where to go. It instructs us on what's right. It's teaching. It's beneficial for rebuke. Meaning this, hey, it's beneficial in illuminating what's not right in our life. Hey, we all know we're broken up people. We all know, man, that, hey, we fall short, but we're thankful for God's grace every single day. Amen. Thankful for his grace. But the word, the the benefit of the word is, man, it illuminates what's not right. How are we going to know that, man, we're not walking in the way if we're not spending time in the word? We need the scripture. Man, it illuminates the lies that we may believe that may come from the world or from, man, our own flesh or way of thinking. The reality is, hey, we all need, man, a good rebuke from time to time. And by the way, again, that, that's the value of good godly community. Folks that you know are in for your own good that are willing to step in and share the truth and love with you. I, I got friends like that myself. 
We call ourselves the Breakfast Club. I think I talked about that before. Call ourselves the Breakfast Club. We used to meet for breakfast when I was in grad school in New Orleans. Man, every week, every Friday morning. And we still talk to this day. Man, we're all in ministry. Still talk to this day. Look to challenge and encourage one another. And at times, man, hey, rebuke with the truth. We all need, man, a good uh, rebuke from time to time to show us, man, that we're not going the right way and that we need to correct our path. Thirdly, right, correction here. What does he mean by that? It means this. It is profitable, man, to give direction on how to get right. Amen. I'm glad that we don't have to stay in the wrong. We don't have to stay in the place that we're in. But, man, we can get right and get right. We know, man, I can tell you right now what the scripture says in terms of getting right. First John 1, 9. Hey, those of us who are in sin today, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Right. Those of you, who, man, who have an issue with somebody getting right looks like obviously you going to God, right, laying it down at his feet. But also, man, going to that person, going to that person and having a conversation with them, man, and asking for forgiveness. Right. The Bible, man, gives us direction on how to get right. And so our response, man, ought to be to go to it. Correction, man. We all need it again because we're broken up. folks. And then lastly, right. Training in righteousness. What it says here about training in righteousness. What, what that means is simply this. Right. The Bible is profitable to show us how to keep right. Keep going right. Right. It shows us what Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, as we can, just as we've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith. Right. The word, man, it's profitable to show us how to do that gives us direction there. At the end of the day, hey, if we want to be people that continue to mature in our faith, want to be people that continue to grow in our faith, man, we've got to spend time in his book. Spend time in his book. You may say, Pastor Irv, man, hey, I don't, I don't really enjoy reading very much. Hey, it's all good, man. Now with, with these phones, these iPhones, you can listen to the word. Oh, you can get the, you can get the Bible app. There's, some, hey, there's some translations they'll even, you know, uh, uh, a or, or they'll, you know, animate. It's all animated. You know, they got, you know, nice serene music in the background, brother Ben. You know, some, I mean, you can listen to one with a dude in a British accent. You know, if you like that. Hey, at the end of the day, hey, man, take in the word. There's no excuse. Hey, take in the word, man. Spend time, man, diving in to his word. Man, because it is profitable for us. Let's take Paul's counsel and devote ourselves to the word of God. Again, firstly, the value of spending time, right, or the value of the word, number one, is, right, to... It's understanding that it's God's word, not man's opinion. Secondly, right, it's understanding that it's beneficial to grow in our faith. And then thirdly and lastly, right, the value of the word of God. Why it's valuable is because, man, it builds us up to walk out the call of God in our life. Verse 17, man, it speaks to that. It says this, say, for correction and for training in righteousness... That the man of God, uh, or another word may even have it in your translation, the messenger of God, right? The one who's called is the point there. The one who's called by God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Remember the context here. Paul's saying this, hey, you need this word. Hey, all these reasons why it's profitable. Dig into it. So that at the end of the day, you may be complete. 
Man, not lacking in any good thing. And by the way, it, being complete, he's not talking about being perfect there. He's not speaking about perfection or walking in impeccability. No, it is a, an athletic term, you know, simply meaning this. Hey, so that you may be in the most fit condition, man, to be able to walk out this calling that God has placed on your life. Oh, that's good. Hey, the, the scripture, right, provides the necessary nourishment for us. To be able to be in peak condition to walk out the calling that God has placed in all of our lives. Because all of us are called. If you're in Christ, you're called. You don't don't have to have a pastor by your name to be called by God to do his work. We're all called. And so understanding, right, that, that the scriptures are able to build us up to walk out this calling. Ought to encourage us to be folks, man, that choose to do so. All of us in Christ are called. We're called to be witnesses for him in our workplace and in our areas of influence. We're called to serve both in our communities, but also in the life of the church. Right. We all are called. And the truth of the matter is, in order to effectively walk in this calling every single day, man, we've got to be filled up with the word. Got to be. I don't know about you, those of those in here who've been saved for a while. Hey, you can tell the difference between the times you've been in, been in the Word and been with God and the times you hadn't been. Amen? You can tell the difference. I know I can. The times I've hey, been with God in His Word, man, and in prayer, and the times that I've tried to do this thing, man, be in ministry, brother. Don't walk in ministry without spending time with God. Man, hey, there's a total difference. Can't do it. And so we've got to see, man, that we need Man, to dive into the word. Man, we need the word to fill us up. To build us up, to walk out this truth. First Timothy four, uh, six, right? Just a couple of verses over. Look what Paul says concerning, right? What the word is. If you put these things before brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. First Peter 2, 2 puts it like this, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Man, the, hey, the word is nourishment, spiritual nourishment man, that fills our souls and enables us to walk effectively this calling that God's placed on us. Again, I've talked about it before. Hey, be very careful not to fall victim to thinking that you're a super Christian. That doesn't need, hey, that doesn't need the word or doesn't need prayer. Thinking, hey, thinking that you graduated from, you know, spending time with God, graduated from keeping the main thing, the main thing and walking with them. Be very careful. Because at the end of the day, hey, listen, man. Headed for a crash. We need his word. And Paul encourages Timothy in that man regard, man. The word of God is valuable. It's valuable. And we ought to choose to see it as such, more than just something we open up once in, every once in a while. Something that we choose to dig into every day of our life. Real quick, a couple takeaways. So what does this mean, Pastor Irv? How, hey, how do I respond to this, understanding what the word is? Well, number one, hey, first response is, listen, you ought to trust in the Bible. Trust in the Bible. I know that there is an attack on the Scriptures attack on thinking that, man, hey, not all the Bible is true. Does the Bible really say that? I know somebody that said that in the Garden of Eden. 
Bible really say that? No, no, no. We, we ought to choose because, man, the Bible was divinely inspired. We ought to choose to trust in it as our standard, as our source of truth, and walk in that. We can trust in the Bible. That's the first thing. Second takeaway is this. Hey, we ought to choose to study the Bible. I ought to choose to study it. Like I said, not, not just open it up every once in a, in a, in a while, man, but choose to, to study it. May we choose to be people that are more than just a casual reader whenever it comes to the word. You say, Pastor Irv, man, hey, I got all these kids at the house. Hey, listen, I got this sketch. Hey, Pastor Irv, it's easy for you to say because you're a preacher. You, hey, you're in the word all the time. Hey, can I be honest with you? Hey, it's a struggle even for me. It is. But listen, hey, we ought to choose to prioritize that time with him. What does that look like in your life? Some people like to do it early mornings. Some, hey, some people it's easier for you to do, man, during lunchtime. For some people, hey, it's easier for, for you to do, man, when you put the kids to bed. You do it with, with your family. However, man, it works for you. Hey, choose, man, to study. Study. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Man, because, man, it is nourishment for our soul. If we want to be folks, man, that, hey, that take a stand for Christ, to defend the faith. Effectively, man, we got to choose, man, to be in the Word. Then thirdly and lastly, hey, and the most important one, hey, choose to apply the Bible. Brother Cliff, we've talked about it before. So many people, man, hey, they know the Word, they've read it, but they, they hadn't applied it. Hadn't applied it. We've got to choose to be folks that apply it. James 1, we talk about it every week. We're called not just to be hearers of God's Word, but doers of it. We're called to apply what we have read and Heard. As we walk with God, spend time in His Word and in prayer, man, He speaks to us. He calls us. Hey, so, hey sometimes, man, it, hey, it's an encouraging word. Right? That, that enables us to continue to go. Sometimes, man, hey, it's a challenging call. Right? To step, hey, step out in faith or, or, hey, to do something that's called for us to do that may not be the most easy thing to do. But, but regardless of, hey, the call is to apply the Word. Apply it. Apply it. I'll close with this. I uh, saw a story last week about uh, a man who was, uh, in, you know, loved old books, had a collection of a ton of uh, old books that he was getting rid of and, and he threw away and um, they were stored in his, uh, you know, family's, you know, attic, you know, that, that house. They'd had it for a long time and stored there. One day he was talking with another guy and he said, yeah, man, I found some of these uh, these old Bibles. Right. Uh, one of them, you know, said Guten something, you know, on it. Uh, but I decided to toss it, you know, because I, I, you know, didn't know what it said. And the guy was like, oh, man, that, that Gutenberg Press, that's one of the first Bibles ever printed. Man, that, that'd be worth all this money. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. Well, I threw it away. I saw another Bible that was there and it said, you know, something, you know, Martin Luther something, you know, but I decided to throw that one away as well. I was like, man, that's another classic. What are you doing? He's like, man, I just didn't find them valuable. They wasn't of value to me. So I ended up just tossing them away. Sadly, we can find ourselves in a season where that's how we treat our own 
word. Casually open it up, like I said, whenever we, we need a word because we're in a mess, which isn't bad. But besides that, we never really engage it. And then we find ourselves, man, in a state of perpetual stress, perpetual anxiety, state of not being able to work through or walk through some of the struggles in, in our life. Uh, that could simply be aided if we chose to be in his word. My, my hope and prayer, church, is that we would be people that value this book. We'd be, be folks that choose, man, to meditate on it, to study it. Be folks that simply say, you know what? I'm not just going to rely on the preaching that comes on a Sunday morning. Man, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to hear... Oh. I'm going to cultivate my own relationship with God and walk in that. And listen, if we choose to have that heart and that attitude, we'll be folks that are able to stand and defend faith. We'll be folks that are able to answer this call to live on mission.